Memphis, 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 Nothing but Memphis. Everywhere we go, it's Memphis. Memphis, Tennessee, the beautiful land in the world. And I'm thankful for this this guy who tweeted and said I don't have that fire in my eye no more. That game right there was for him. That's what I do. I fool people wrong each and every night, and that's for him right there. Hi, this is Tom Izzo at Michigan State, and you're listening to Grizz 901. What up, Grizz Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Grizz 901. I am your host, Daniel Greer, and our guy, the co-host, is back. We're a little delayed, not a big deal. Uh, if you've heard the last podcast, um, thank you. It was one of our better podcasts uh, by the numbers. It was not my better podcast by my health i was dying <laughs> i was sweating i had a, a cold rag on my head on my neck as we recorded uh and i pretty much prior to us recording told nathan to talk as long as he wanted to because i wasn't bringing much to it and i think that's really what happened but it was a really good podcast everybody seemed to tune in and listen uh we have a lot more we haven't talked to ryan so far since uh the the utah summer league happened and then now we are two games into the Vegas Summer League. So, Ryan, what are your initial thoughts just from the Las Vegas, uh, not Las Vegas, from the Utah stuff? Do you have any initial thoughts before we get into these next two games that just happened? I thought Utah, we're winning Summer League. I thought, man, we look great. Oh, we're going to kill everyone. We look awesome. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into actual – what happened in Vegas so far? Because what has happened in Vegas for this Grizzlies team hopefully stays in Vegas. Yeah, it's it's been a weird, weird time. Uh, so, yeah, the Utah thing, we've talked about that, and it was a little, you know, kind of up and down. I think that they played so well in the first half of that very first game. It kind of set us to the point where I think it set Grizz Twitter on fire. Like people were just over the moon thinking that this team was going to shoot so well, play so well, and now we're in Vegas. And even after the last games there in Utah, we're in Vegas, and we have just not shot well at all. So let's go into these games a little bit. The Grizzlies took on the Clippers first and foremost, right? And they took the loss. They just got completely outplayed. I don't care about the score. I don't even care if the Grizzlies won or lost. I want to see what happened exactly in the game, okay? And so I'm looking through a lot of what happened, and everybody, everybody was all on Santi Aldama's head. Do you think <laughs> he deserved how much people were talking and trashing him, saying that he should not be even on the roster anymore after that first game against the Clippers? Well, as someone who thinks Santi shouldn't have been on the roster even before the Clippers game, um, I'm fine with it. But it's not because like Santi's not the reason that we sucked against the Clippers, right? Like it was just bad turnovers, can't shoot. There's no creation, you know, outside of Kennedy, and Kennedy cannot score around the basket yet. Um, so I don't know if we'll talk more specifically about players especially the rookies, but this is to be expected for a team that they're giving Zaire Williams the ball, who we saw nothing in creation off the dribble year one. And so they did this with Bain, put the ball in his hands, see what happens. Well, Bain's built for it. 
Um, not saying that Zaire isn't. It's just it's not Zaire's game. So we're going to struggle when you don't have a set him up actually be able to get into the teeth of the defense and then find open guys. And Zaire's just not that guy, and that's fine. Could he develop into that eventually? Maybe, but that's just not his strength. So I think the whole point is to put Zaire in very uncomfortable situations, and you could tell in that game he was very uncomfortable. And it also didn't help that the Clippers shot incredible from three. So you had a lot of things where are these guys tired? Shouldn't be. Um, I mean, it's going from Utah to Las Vegas shouldn't be tiring trip. It's not like they all played every game in Utah. They got their rest. So I, I just, it's not on Santee. I mean, I have separate thoughts about Aldama altogether, but it's just, we should have expected this from a mostly rookie team heading into summer league against a Clippers team where it's multi-year guys who are trying to make a roster. Yeah. Like I, I'm just looking at, what this roster is made up of and I have completely broken down the roster and I was never the one saying that Santi Aldama should be playing even on this team even as of now and everybody was saying that he could be the next guy to step up because of what he showed and honestly I don't know what people were looking at I love the guy I think he has potential but he's at least two seasons away at minimum the fact that he can't really dribble that well is a big thing. Uh, the fact that I, I look at the one thing is, what does he do? Does he know his role? He has no clue what his role is. What is he good at? What does he excel better than anybody else to potentially make him a guy that can play on an NBA roster? And I don't see it. I've always said that. I said the same thing about other players. I don't see it. What makes him different? He has the link, Yes. He has a decent shot, yes. Like, he, he can do some things, but there's not an it factor that just stands out. And looking at the roster, he's in the 11 through 15, and he's not 11. No. He might play some spot minutes, but he's not going to be a guy that's going to play a big role in your team. The last five minutes, he's not playing. Playoffs, he's not playing. During the middle of the regular season, when injuries happen, when it's a weird schedule, yes, he's going to see spot minutes, but he's not ready. He's just he's not exactly ready for for any part of real NBA basketball. So I, I hope people kind of take a step back and quit crushing him, which they did after the next game. So let's get into that game. Um, just looking at that game, nobody on the team was out there playing well. They didn't play Zaire. They didn't play Xavier Tillman. Uh, and so those obviously were two guys that were held out, but it gave a chance for all these other guys to see like, Hey, are you ready for, you know, the big stage? And the only player that showed up and in a big win was Santi Aldama. Now, if you want to go talk about Tremont waters, David Roddy had a decent game. That was it. Okay. But Santi Aldama, maybe it, is he on Twitter? Does he have a burner Twitter account? And he's really on there looking at everybody talking trash about him. Do you think, do you think he's on there finding, finding uh, all the, the criticism and using that I, as his fuel? I don't think so. I don't think he cares at all. No. no. I really don't. There's no yeah. way he could care that much. 
Yeah, no, the Aldama thing is it never made sense last year to take him at the end of the first round and guarantee him a contract. It never made sense because all indications before the draft, if I remember correctly, was he was he wanted to go play overseas in Spain. So I never understood. I mean, this is a guy that probably wasn't going to get drafted. And I said it last year that it seemed like they drafted him to do a favor to the associate head coach. Um because that was his guy, right? He had a connection to an old coach or something like that where Aldama played college at, at Loyola, Maryland. Um, and just seems like he's doing his buddy a favor. Not to say Aldama doesn't have skill or ability, but I think you hit it on the head with, like, the thing, the, the tough thing about draft is, like, the projection of a player. What is he going to be? And I think Aldama is best suited playing a five. And he needs to be in a small ball lineup. It's never yeah. going to happen in the NBA. We saw this one-year experiment with Brandon Clark where, Clark, you pull out to the corner, we'll work on your jump shot. Completely failed in year two of Brandon Clark. Everybody wondered where he went. And then, I mean, he did have some injury stuff, but so that's fair. But he was trying, they're trying to put him in the corner, stretch the floor and shoot threes. And it's just a complete failure. Yeah. So they went back this past year to where he's the, you know, pick and roll guy. He's the lob threat. And here comes back a resurgent year of Brandon Clark. Well, the role for Aldama is staying in the corner, right? Mm -hmm. And that's just not a role that he's used to. At, in college, he did everything. He was playing the center. Like he was a hybrid center player. He's never going to be that for the Grizzlies. So to me, it's a completely sunk cost. You use the first round pick. Obviously, it's cheap salary, but it, like there's just a time where you have to realize this guy projectionable is it, like projection wise is never going to be anything for your team. Not to say I don't like the guy. He's got skill. He's going to be a great European player. He's not an NBA player and he's never going to help this Grizzlies team. So I, I get why people would hate on him. I don't think the hate is deserved because to me, he's playing out of a position that is comfortable for him as an NBA player. He will go overseas and he will have a fantastic European career. He will be great. I would be very surprised if we ever see him back in the NBA again after this stint with the Grizzlies. Mm. Wow. Yeah, he makes $2 million a year, right? Not a lot. Uh, but that is potentially you might need that into a contract somewhere. And I think that you're going to see uh, the Grizzlies look to throw in somebody like Santiago Aldama, even Killian Tilly, who makes 1.9, uh, Xavier Tillman, 1.7. You're going to see a lot of these guys potentially be thrown into a trade because something's going to shake out at some point. Uh, last thing about Summer League, I know we've talked a little bit about, you know, Santiago Dama, I want to move on from him. Uh, but the other guys, um, anybody else you're impressed with outside of uh, Kenny Lofton Jr.? I want to talk about him last, <laughs> but anybody outside of him that you've kind of been impressed with? Uh, I mean, I'm 50-50 actually on Jr. I haven't been that excited about him, to be honest with We're you. We're not talking about him. I know, just giving you a precursor so people <laughs> stick around to the end. Uh, no, uh, out of this draft, out of four people that the Grizzlies drafted, they got one and a half players, Ooh. which is, which is better than, I mean, if you get one and a half players out of a four person draft, that's pretty good still. 
like Jake is a hit. He's 100% a hit. Really? Okay. Uh, Vince Williams Jr. is the half. Wow. And I thought we were, I thought you were going to go with Kenny Chandler because he's kind of like half of a person. <laughs> uh yeah kennedy the whole situation with guaranteeing his contract i am beyond puzzled by i do not get it but if you need a cheap salary roster spot for the projection of what he might be then sure he might be cheap but i just don't understand it because kennedy chandler his biggest obviously his size is his biggest weakness right. he cannot score around the basket he has gotten blocked over and over. He has not been able to finish. So are they are the Grizzlies front office banking on that he's going to develop this floater around the basket? Because that's the only thing that saves us for him. Because besides that, he can't shoot. I mean, sure, he stripped Jaden Springer in that Utah game. Great. Jaden Springer is about as big as he is and has zero chance playing NBA as well. Um, every time Kennedy drives, you can tell he's bothered by the physical presence of the other players. And he just can't score over them. So I just don't think he's going to add anything to this team. Now, if you're talking about two or three years from now, I just don't get that thinking at all for a backup point guard. You can find them. They're a dime a dozen. Um, I just don't understand what they're seeing with Kennedy. But the half with Vince William is the projectionable role, right? Like, you very obviously – I think everyone likes projectionable roles because it's easy to see what they are. Players like David Roddy are very hard to project because you have absolutely no idea what this guy's eventually going to be. There's such a wild card to him. Um, he could be a really good, interesting small ball player or – he could just never develop a surefire skill at anything and be done out of the league soon. That's what's hard about this. So that's why I'm going with one and a half and Vince Williams being the half. Cause you know, projection wise, what he's going to be, he's going to be a smart defensive player and he's going to be able to be that role that they try to put Santee in and stand in the corner and knock down threes. So I, I give him a one and a half on players they actually got from this draft. Now, Kennedy Lofton, I, Junior, I know, get drafted. We'll talk about him at the end. Um, I'm just not really sure what to project him to be yet, but I think Jake is a guy. I think he's a real guy, and I think he's actually going to make an actual difference for this team. So I'm excited for him and interested to see what happens with Vince, um, if they'll be actually develop him. I don't think he's going to be more than what he is. I don't think this guy's ever going to be an off the dribble, you know, secondary attack closeouts kind of guy, but I know he's going to play defense. I know he's going to shoot threes. Jake, I think is kind of like a Jack of all trades and he's going to be a really good shooter as well. So I, I think they did well for what they got out of this draft. Okay. Um, so real quick on Jake Laravia, I'm, you know, I, I like him. I think his shot looks really good. I think he'll benefit from having a little bit more floor spacing than what's actually happening in summer league. Uh, when you have the likes of John Morant, even Dylan Brooks, you're talking about Jaron Jackson Jr. potentially, like Desmond Bain, like everybody has to watch and find out where Desmond Bain is. And so if you are potentially the worst player on the starting five, 
you're going to be looked at less, especially early on in your career, just as, you know, Zaire Williams was where he's left out in those corners. It's all about, can you knock him down? And then can you not get taken advantage of on defense? I think that's going to be his biggest thing and biggest adjustment is his defense. I haven't seen a really good defensive game out of him yet. Like it's been okay, but not nothing crazy that stands out to me. Plus it's summer league. I take it with a grain of salt, but if you're not looking like the best player on the court, when you should be, that's the only thing that bothers me at times. Uh, the other guys, Kenny Chandler, I, I think he is a backup, longtime backup. I think he'll wow people at times. And I think this might be just kind of a Memphis play. Maybe they just went for the the local Memphis guy, threw him a, you know, a little bit of bag, keep him around, what, for $8 million for four years? Like, it's not much. So I'm okay with honestly waiving him and eating all of it if you had to this summer. It's not that big of a deal, in all honesty. The cap's going up, whatever. So worst case, I'm okay with. So it can only go up from here, in my opinion. Roddy, I've not <laughs> been impressed with. I've talked about that many times. I really liked him. Come like when, After they drafted him, I hated it. Once I got to see who the player was, I kind of thought he might have a chance. He, he doesn't have it. He's, he's not found a good role. I think he can be a good situational guy for 10 to 12 minutes a game but he's not a guy that you put in the playoffs unless you just need a stop or you need some help for six or seven minutes in a playoff game. So if we're talking about being a playoff team, a contender, you got to have guys that can do that. I don't know if he's ready for that. I don't know if any of these guys are ready for that. And Vince Williams Jr., you love him more than I do. I think he has potential, but I do think he's a couple years away, even though he's older. All right, so last guy, Kenny Lofton Jr. I am very on both ends of each end on him whether i'm i'm over the moon i think he's great and then i'm like eh, maybe he shoots too much maybe he's just an empty <laughs> stats player because i think he's good but then i'll look would he benefit from a little bit better training better diet would he would he benefit from having really good nba players surrounding him but then can he get around those other players there's a lot of questions uh, but give me your thoughts on him completely about Junior. Yeah, I I mean, I would have rather the Grizzlies drafted him at 23 instead of Roddy, to be honest with you, if they were going to draft either either between the two, if they had a choice. Yeah. Um, but Junior is a wild card. And I just I, – I lean more to the side of the empty stats thing like, I think he's fun. Like, I think he has a Taco Fall-ish type draw for people just because of the body, right? Like, people want to see Taco Fall because he's ginormous. People want to see Junior because he's not a prototypical-sized body for an NBA right. player. And he has skill, right? Yeah. Like, he's got the ability to play. Like, David Roddy looks like a very in-his-own-head mental player. Whereas Junior is just like, F it. Like, give me the ball. I'm, I'm hoping. Um, I think that's the big difference between the two. And I think that's ultimately what holds Roddy back is mentally, right? Like, he just doesn't have that kind of screw you, F you mentality. Um, he, he seems like he's always thinking about it. Like, did I make the right pass? Did I make the right decision on my shot? And Kenny Lofton is just like, you know, <laughs> hold my beer right. and just pull it up. Um, 
so the thing is about that is I don't think anything with Kenny Lofton is sustainable to where you can expect him to come in and be a positive, a nightly positive addition to your team, right? Like he might be a guy that you bring in for hopefully some instant offense if like the young Grizzlies team will go on lulls, right? Yeah. Like they'll just show up to a Thursday night game in Indiana and just not care and be dead the whole first half and be down by eight or 10. They know they can win the game, but they're just not giving any effort. Like Junior feels like that kind of guy that you throw in there, give me some energy, go get me some buckets. The team gets excited and they're like, okay, come on, let's do this. Um, so he doesn't feel like a real viable piece of the Grizzlies going forward, but I think he's a lot of fun. And I just like the mentality of a guy who doesn't care what his size is, doesn't care what the situation is. is just going to go in and play hard. Um, so I think that's a guy that's worth having around if you've got the spots for him. Yeah, hundred percent. And I I've said, I don't know if I've even said this on the podcast yet, but my opinion on a guy like uh, junior is he could realistically be in the starting four position anchored by somebody like Jaron Jackson jr. At the five, which scares me to death, but that's would be in the 23, 24 season. Okay. So not right now. Right. Um, but I, I think that it potentially next year, but if not, I think it's 24, 25 season. So you're talking about three seasons away, three full seasons, his third full season in the NBA. I think he really could be a starter for the simple fact that I think that he can get his body weight, his conditioning under control, learn the game. The game's probably still a, you know, a little fast for him even now, but he's also going to be paid attention to more. And you got to figure out like, all right, so how do I, how do I score uh, with with a guy like you know John Moran on the court, how do I you know how do I facilitate? How do I do different things? It's going to take time, uh, but I still don't see a ton of minutes. Even though everybody's calling for him to to be on the main roster, which I think possibly could happen, where he makes the main roster, he gets a guaranteed deal, uh, especially with the potential of a trade. You send out two guys, three guys, bring in a guy, then you move him from a two way to a, a guaranteed contract. I think that's probably a better decision. Uh, but either way, you, you have him locked in on a two-way right now. He can at max play 50 games a year. He cannot play any playoff games, I believe. So that's what you would get in your first year. But I don't know if you need more than that out of him because realistically, you still have a lot of players that have questions around him. You have a lot of movement. I think that still could happen. So pump the brakes on Junior a little bit, everybody. I love him. I think he can be amazing. I think he is a guy that just kind of lifts all tides, right? And so I think that he's a guy that could be a lot of fun, but also he's a guy with skill, but he needs a little time. So I think people relax a little bit. This is still summer league. Most of these guys that are playing won't even be on an NBA roster. They won't even be the, <laughs> the 15th guy on an NBA roster, okay? That's what I'm trying to get everybody to kind of understand a little bit. I don't want to talk down on these players. But just look back, you will not see half of these players again that's on the court. And if you do, they're overseas or in next year's summer league. That's really where you're going to see them. All right, so the Grizzlies now, Tuesday, which you could be hearing this for the first time, Tuesday the 12th, they play the Nets at 5.30 on ESPN2. 
Thursday, they take on the Celtics at 2.30 on NBA TV. So two more games left. I don't think they're making a long run in this tournament. They're not going to be in the championship <laughs> game. They're going to get one more extra game out of here. So I'd imagine you're going to see an extra game Saturday out of this team. So they're probably going to play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday uh, going forward. All right, real quick, and then we're going to get out of here. This will not be a long podcast. The John Conchar mm. new contract, the extension mm. for Jitty. What are your <laughs> thoughts, initial thoughts? Like it, love it, hate it? Uh, I, I, I mean, I guess it's fine. I just, meh. I think it's just, I don't. And that doesn't break you. Um, I don't really care. I don't feel like we locked up a long time, like a long term core piece. Yeah. Um, it's a salary filler, fill a roster spot, and it's cheap. Like it's fine. I think he's good for a team, especially during the regular season, especially when you have your lulls, especially when you have those games where you just don't have it. You bring in a guy like that, it's six million. Six. That's it. Salary cap going up six million. It's going to be one of the lower contracts in the end of the day, except for these new rookies that are coming in. Um, but I think he's a guy that fills a lot of need. And I think he's also a guy that whenever it's available, whenever you're allowed to go ahead and potentially trade him, I think he's easily tradable with that, with that contract. He's locked for long-term small money, any really good team, if the Lakers had a choice, the Lakers would take him, 100%. And I think it would be looked at differently because he's, he's a good player, solid player, not going to wow you, but just sometimes he needs to fill those little roles. That's yeah. all you got to do. He's, yeah. he's carved out a niche. Yeah, I, I just – like we said before, like what was going on with all these signings and stuff that they are going to re-sign Tyus. And maybe this isn't a good – topic to bring up now we need a full episode or the whole grizzly crew to talk about but uh, i mean does it feel like this front office is getting kind of cheap already mm. like they're signing all these guys who like, maybe this is just a chess move for in a couple years right um, because it just feels like they're signing guys that are not going to be on the team in a couple years just to sign them and they're cheap because they're about to have to start paying Triple J and Ja, right? And they're going to have to pay Bay if they're going to keep the core three together. So the front office has said that money's not an issue. They've said that. But signing Kennedy Chandler to a guaranteed contract, Aldama last year, like, I just – it feels like we're already starting to get cheap and we take four rookies hoping one of them pans out and is a home run. Like, is this like talking about projection of players? Is this what we sh we're going to start looking for? Or this is, is this how we should expect this front office to start dealing now? They're going to take three picks a year and hope one of them hits because they really can't afford to replenish and build around jaw triple j and baines and pending salary um i don't know maybe it's something we could talk about later that's probably too much for now but all these signings just kind of send off a blinking red siren to me of warning that yeah. like they're they're starting to get cheap and they said they wouldn't be 
and they said they wouldn't sacrifice the future for now, and I totally get that, but it just feels off. I just don't see the full picture yet, and that's probably on purpose. Um, it just feels off. All right. Answer this. I don't want to go into it because I know we'd get off on a rabbit trail, but <laughs> yes or no is all I want. It's the only answer I want. No more, no less. Would you rather be, as a GM, would you feel like you would rather be in control of this new Minnesota Timberwolves roster, or would you rather be with the Grizzlies roster? Because now you have so many different ways you can go in one way, the other way you're kind of locked in. Would you rather be Minnesota? Yes or no? Just for this year? No, the going future is not about one year. You're about to pay Rudy in his fifth year. Uh, was it forty nine million? Um, I'll say no. Okay, I agree with that. For the simple fact that you just pretty much mortgaged everything. You have no draft picks. You have no wiggle room. You're pretty much stuck in a certain mold, and you have a little bit of adjustments you can make around. But that's it. The Grizzlies still have their their window open and fairly wide open for the simple fact that they haven't made a move to go all in yet. Now, when that first move is to go all in, whether it's a super strong all in KD-ish move, or if it's a a mid-level, it's a very good move, smart move, it keeps your window open, but it's not exactly what you would think you would get off of a championship contender team. I, I, I will be the judge. I will judge them and their books then. But right now, they can go in so many different directions. If they have a bad season, that's only going to help push them going great to the next season. If they were in a mid-level season where you're a 7-8 seed and you don't really get that great of a draft pick, I still think they can strike the next season. So as long as they're able to still strike at the right time, I think they're good. And the other thing is, is a lot of times what you when I look at in a business or sales side, I try to shrink down my my variables. And so what I'm looking at is they signed in some of these guys to long-term lower money. That way, if they do get much better, they're still locked into those contracts. But two, they only have to fill so many roster spots at this point because you're going to pay Bain, you're going to pay Jaron, you're going to pay Ja. Okay, I don't know what Bain's going to make. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he's going to make. But I would imagine he's going to make a very good salary, but it's not going to be a it's not going to be super max, but it's a very good salary. At that point, the other stuff you put around him, I think that those are your, really your variables. Like, who do you fill in? Who do you slide in, slide out? If they already have the positions of possibly eight through twelve roster positions filled, and they feel comfortable with those guys long term, they only really have to make sure they they do four to seven, right? And as long as they can feel good about those other ones, you don't have as many people you have to really be good and perfect at. So I think if they feel comfortable with these guys who aren't going to play in the playoffs, but they're really good regular season players that get you into the right spot, I think that's why they signed a guy like John Conchar and even Kennedy Chandler. Because I think those are regular season players and they're going to make regular season money. They're not going to be the guys who make you really the, the playoff money. Yeah. It's totally fair. It's just always something that, like, I've just seen it time and time again, right? And 
a lot of these teams that assume their window is open, it shuts very quickly. I mean, just ask the Utah Jazz. Yeah. Um, it's just something that always alarms me and always makes me uneasy. Um, because I think if you're just, oh, we're young, you know, we've got six years. I think that's just faulty thinking. But I also don't think it's right to just be like, oh, let's go get Bradley Beal. You know, <laughs> this would, this could make us better right away. And so I understand the long-term view. There is a tipping point. And there's just a lot of indicators that make me, you know, very interested what's going to happen over the next year or two. Not even player development, but around the periphery, around the roster, right? Like what what is going on from this front office? That's what I'm more interested by, even more so than how the players develop on the court. Yeah, there's a lot of questions to, uh, to answer here. Um, real quick, before we get out of here, last thing. What do you see them doing? Are they going to stay for the summer? You think they're done making, you know, any kind of big move at all? Or do you think they're holding out potentially uh, to do something else? Like if you had to give a prediction, we're going to keep asking this until they do something or until training camp, right? We're going to keep doing it because we got Danny Green sitting on the sideline next to Coach Jenkins. At yeah, I love Danny. Um, I think they're done. I, I, I don't think there'll be anything else. Like I want people to be um, like Dylan Brooks is going to be on the team. Mm. I know as much as you want him, I know as much as we uh, Grizz nation, I know you want him gone. He's an incredibly cheap salary for a starter who really only does what he does for our team and just being a bully defender. Um, and getting in people's head the irrational confidence guy, which I know drives us insane on offense. He's, I just would be shocked if he's going anywhere at that amount that he's at. So I think he's on the team next year. I guess I can't remember if this is an expiring, if this is last yes, year. Last year. Um, I guess potentially you could see something if a contender was panicking, kind of needed something. Uh, and we were just kind of middling 500, you know, kind of took a step back this year, then maybe. But I fully expect Dylan to be on the team come fall and throughout this season. Yeah, I'm not sure now what they're going to do. I do think they make some kind of move. Um, and if you anything at all, I really have kind of fallen in now the position of saying they're looking to be the third or fourth team the one that has a little bit more wiggle room, the one who can take on bigger salary because they get somebody else to try to make money match. Like they're willing to work with some other teams, especially since they're not doing much. And now we're hearing about, you know, Miles Turner, possibly uh, maybe he goes out somewhere. Maybe he goes in a sign and trade out to Phoenix. I don't know. I don't know the KD stuff. We're talking about Aiton possibly going to Indiana. There's so many questions to answer. I think they're looking to be that third or fourth team so they can reap the benefits such as the Cavs did. Uh, I guess it was last season. Uh, but you still have you, you have Dylan Brooks on $11.4 million this year. Danny Green pushed back his uh, guarantee of his money. So they're only paying him like 6-6 right now. Um, but his, his new one is probably like January 1st or December or something, uh, late in December to where it actually goes fully guaranteed with that difference of three and a half million. 
Um, so I don't know if he's actually going to continue to stay on the team. Did he push that back for trades? Did he push that back for uh, to see how healthy he's getting to to stay on the team? There's a lot of questions to ask and a lot of, uh, you know, find find out exactly what they're going to do. But um, it hasn't been boring. I can tell you that. It looks yeah. boring. <laughs> but, yes, there's not been much going on. But it just has us talking even more because we're trying to figure out yes. what in the world is going to go on. Yeah. All right. That's all we got. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on again. We'll be back middle of the week again with another podcast. Sorry we're a day late. You can blame that one on me. I'm just glad I'm not dead. <laughs> like, I was struggling. But we're back to normal. This is the first day I've felt like myself, um, finally. So it's mm. been a long time. But let's have a good week. Be nice and tell your friends. <laughs>